Okay, so hello everybody. Uh, welcome to week one of IMC 600. Uh, this is the first podcast where we will be diving into what we're going to be learning these next seven weeks. Before we get into all of that, there's just a few uh, quick things that I just want to touch on. Uh, first and foremost is that um, if you listen to my uh, last podcast, uh, just doing the housekeeping and the introduction uh, to this course, um, you probably notice what I'm doing right now, and it's a lot of and and ums and uhs. Uh, there I go again. I'm absolutely going to be conscious of that. Uh, it was a little bit annoying for me to hear. I guess I'm not that big a fan of listening to myself uh, talk on a, a recording, and it's just those, you know, the and and ums, those are just fillers. So I am cognizant of that. I'm going to be working on that. So just bear with me as we... Um, uh, get going in this course. So uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up before we dive into uh, this week's podcast is the book. And I hope that you guys have uh, followed the link that I provided you in the syllabus. Uh, it takes you to the website. I believe it's C-Engage or Cengage. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. But what you'll notice with this and what I found when I was setting up this course is that uh, you essentially purchase um, an unlimited package where you get access to our textbook and basically any other textbook. It's kind of like a, a Netflix deal, if you will, uh, with access to their entire library. I recognize fully that I'm talking essentially about buying a textbook, and I'm not trying to you know, sweeten this one, but I would say this. Uh, I wish that this thing existed back when I was in college, uh, because that would have saved me quite a bit of money. Uh, we all know how expensive those things are, and to essentially have unlimited access, I, that's uh, not a bad deal at all. So uh, one other thing is that uh, I'm, I've used Moodle before, um, but I have not exclusively used it to deliver a course. Uh, there is a little bit of a learning curve here, and uh, I'm getting through it and everything, but uh, one of the things that I noted for the assignment, one of your assignments this week, or part of the assignment this week, excuse me, is that um, to embed the intro video into the Moodle discussion, I actually tried it myself, and I couldn't get it to work. You are more than welcome to just post the link to uh, wherever you have posted your video. Um, I guess I thought the embedding would work and it doesn't and that's cool and you know there are more than one ways to share a video. So uh, chapter one here and this will be the first part of our podcast. Um, I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on it uh, as it covers the basics that I'm certain you've covered already in past classes. Uh, there are however a few things from it that I'd like to spend some time on. For me, I think one of the biggest things to consider as you begin navigating this career path and this curriculum is that you are operating in a very, very unique time. One of the biggest changes that I've witnessed is the priority placed on getting what you want in two days or less or providing people with the exact same experience that somehow feels unique. When I was reviewing this chapter, one of the things that I was reminded of was that when I was a kid, and that wasn't all that long ago, um, 20 
25 years. Good Lord. Um, anyway, um, six to eight weeks was the standard shipping time. Uh, the JC Penny catalog that came a couple times a year, that was kind of the Amazon uh, of that time. Uh, certainly there were other uh, department stores that had their big catalogs as well. Um, and there were a lot of those Time Life uh, commercials on TV for music or video collections. Uh, during high school, and I was in high school from 2000 to 2004, um, online shopping was starting to become a thing with eBay and Amazon taking off, but it was still viewed as really sketchy. Uh, PayPal was very questionable to people, and identity theft, uh, it, it wasn't a thing. I you never heard of it. Uh, the most I think that I ever heard of was that somebody lost their social security card. Um, but now, uh, two-day shipping is just standard. Uh, trips to the video store or the library have been replaced with Netflix and eBooks, and no one really buys CDs anymore, though uh, vinyl records is becoming chic all of a sudden. Uh, these new trends have culminated uh, to the marketing world uh, becoming very, very fast-paced, where keeping more than one step ahead is standard operating procedure. Uh, if your boss or client wants it today, then that means that their customers needed it yesterday. Excuse me. Uh, and if you aren't on the latest trend or using the latest information delivery platform, be it a social media network or whatever they come out with next, you are you kind of fall behind. Uh, what we've seen, though, through all this is the shift of power to the customer. Um, take, for instance, Yelp or any Amazon review or... I mean, any website out there that sells something, there is typically a place uh, for customer reviews. And if there's not, those uh, reviews are attached uh, somewhere in Google. And uh, you see things like tweets by influencers. Uh, people are actually making their living now off of rating products. Uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me, or that, that's come up, um, is if you go to Walmart there's now a display in the kids section and I realize some of you might not have kids and even journey into the toy section but there's this kid I can't think of his name and he has a whole line of toys and I, I looked up who he was he's on all the products giving thumbs up or whatever he's doing uh, this kid it's a little boy and he got his start on YouTube he's a YouTube celebrity at like I think he's he's got to be like six or seven years old but he was a YouTube celebrity at two because his parents, uh, they started doing uh, reviews of him playing with toy with the toys that he would get, and he would, you know, play with the toy and talk about what he liked about it or what he didn't like about it, and you know, it was kind of a for us by us, you know, uh, the user of the intended of the product, you know, the toy talking about what you know why it's good or why it's bad, and he went viral. I remember hearing about him a few years ago. And now this kid ain't got no problems for the rest of his life. He has toy lines now with his face on it. And I think they're even, I think he's got a TV show on Nickelodeon. I don't pay too close attention to what my daughter watches. But, um, but yeah, he, you know, this kid is making a lot of money just by reviewing products here. And uh, a lot of other people do that. That's how they make their living. Celebrities now make a ton of money 
in much easier ways by just reviewing products or not even reviewing it, but uh, posing with it in in an Instagram photo or uh, tagging it in an, in a uh, in a tweet. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling or stammering here a little bit. Uh, I even think of one of the biggest failures or biggest controversies, rather, Firefest. Uh, they were hiring out. It was that big concert uh, festival in. Uh, I think the Caribbean and it was supposed to be luxurious and $10,000 to get to. And uh, the marketing leading up to that was just insane. They got one of the Kardashians or Jenners to tweet about it. I don't follow them. A lot of celebrities were changing their Instagram uh, profile pictures to, I, it was the Firefest orange. I mean, it was huge. And these celebrities were getting paid a lot of money just to, take a picture or change their profile picture that takes five seconds and there they are uh, back when I was taking IMC Twitter was brand new um, and that wasn't that long ago it, it I think it came out towards the end of my undergrad and I remember talking about it a little bit in one of the IMC courses and we were trying to understand it still because it was we had Facebook. Why did we need this new service that gave you like 120 characters? You know, what the hell can you say in that? And what's that going to do for you? Um, but, and at that time, uh, when celebrities and even companies were starting to get on uh, Twitter, it was a really, really big deal if a company responded to you. I remember I had bought, I believe it was Kashi or Kashi brand granola. And uh, it came with like vegetable seeds, and I had, I think I got one with tomato seeds, and I planted them uh, in my garden, and they grew, and I actually got a harvest. I was kind of shocked by that, and I tweeted a picture of them and tagged Kashi, and they responded, and to me it was kind of a big deal at the time because wow, this you know multi-million-dollar company or billion-dollar whatever it's valued at, they noticed my tweet. But now, um, you if you tag a company or um, you know tag a product, you kind of expect uh, or don't even think about it. It's just kind of a given that somebody from that company is going to see your tweet and respond to, "Hey, thank you," or "That's really cool," or "Great to see you using our product." Uh, suffice to say, uh, that's why, uh, as the book points out in chapter one. Um, customer relationships are king now. Uh, when I was working in newspapers, the saying was content is king. In the marketing world, I would say customer relationships are king. Uh, people want to feel connected to what they're buying or experiencing. Uh, and more often than not, particularly with millennials, customers are conscious about how they spend their money or how they're spending their time. And you see that on all ends of the spectrum. Uh, from Colin Kaepernick and Nike uh, to using a search engine like Ecosia. People are absolutely conscious now of what they're doing and how they're spending their money or time. Uh, while the marketing world runs on Octane, uh, the principles of it still remain the same. Uh, specific to what I've talked about so far, that's where strategic marketing uh, comes in. Uh, as a marketer in this world now, you can harness things like your customer relationships or even the way your company or client dis distributes products or provides experiences 
Uh, and you can do this through an appropriate and well-researched strategy. Uh, but as both the book and myself point out, the marketing world is ever-changing and it's driven by the customer and what makes them tick or what they're experiencing. So with that, I'd like to move on to Chapter 2. All right, so moving right along here. Um, as we get into Chapter 2, uh, this chapter actually gives us a bit of a head start on your assignment for the next week. Um, I just have a few things in this chapter that I'd like to talk about, and I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, major points that I want you to take away about strategic marketing, and the book does a really good job of laying this out. Uh, it's just a three-point list here that I'll read. Um, is first, it establishes marketing-level goals and objectives that are in line with the organization's mission, goals, and objectives. Two, it analyzes target markets and maintains an appropriate program to satisfy the needs of the target market. And three, a plan is coordinated with all functional business areas to ensure the organization's goals and objectives are met through each facet of the strategic marketing plan. I know that this chapter spent a lot of time looking at corporate structure and referencing that uh, in a very holistic sense, and that's okay. Uh, I think it's worth understanding these things because even at small companies or marketing agencies where you guys will uh, likely work, there is corporate structure there, and it's important just to have an appreciation for all that. So when you're developing strategy, uh, it's critical that it's functional. Uh, to me, uh, if it's not, it's like, what is the point? Someone is paying you not to spin your wheels, and they're paying you to come up with something that is logical, rooted in real data, and actually usable. Uh, the book points out uh, when it's uh, uh, talking about functional strategy, uh, and it really just stood out to me, um, is that uh, functional strategy decisions do not develop in a vacuum. And I'll repeat that again. Uh, functional strategy decisions do not develop in a vacuum. The strategy must, one, fit the needs and purposes of the functional area with respect to meeting goals and objectives, be realistic given the organization's available resources and environment, and finally, be consistent with the organization's mission, goals, and objectives. A great place to start uh, when you're developing a strate strategic marketing plan, as well as a marketing plan, is to look at your client or company's mission and vision statements. Um, simply put, mission statement a mission statement is the who we are while the vision statement is the who we want to be. Um, it's actually very tricky to get these things right. Um, that's why most of the time when uh, these things are created, uh, committees are formed and they hold meetings over the course of a year to determine what the mission, uh, mission and vision statement is. I'm getting a little tongue-tied there. Um, I've actually been through this process uh, where I work, and I've been through it twice. Uh, one with the Chamber and once with Olean Business Development. I'll tell you this, it was a process, and I don't mean to go off on too much of a tangent here about it, uh, but it was a process. It took a lot of time, a lot of back and forth, starting over, then more back and forth a few more times before we came to something that really captured who we are and who we want to be. Um, I found it interesting uh, 
you know, it was a long process and I enjoyed it. Um, but I would say I'm not in any rush to go do it again. Um, I just bring this up, uh, my experience with that, because you guys might find yourself, uh, sitting in on these type of meetings and helping develop these type of things. Um, some companies you might go work for a startup and they're trying to build their brand and understand who they are and who they want to be. Well, if you're at a more established firm, they, uh, it might just be time to uh, refresh those things. And uh, it is a good idea every uh, few years at a company to take a look at your vision and mission statements. Uh, make sure that they're still in line. Make sure those are still your priorities and still uh, who you want to be and what you want to be. Um, at any rate, uh, you can tell a lot about a company by its mission statement. Um, and uh, essentially, it's going to tell you where it stands. Um, conversely, it might be difficult to glean anything about a company by its mission statement. Uh, it might be filled with lots of jargon and uh, things that kind of just don't make sense or don't actually seem applicable in the real world. Um, you know, when I re was rereading this section, I was, um, and I'm going to geek out here. I know I mentioned to you guys that I am a geek. But um, one of my geek things is uh, Weird Al Yankovic, and I, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but he's mine. At any rate, on his last album uh, called Mandatory Fun, uh, he has a song, and it's called Mission Statement. Um, if you have a spare three minutes it's and are looking to laugh at something stupid, uh, it's certainly worth the listen. The whole song is just three minutes of... Uh, really bad mission statements. It's just full of jargon and, you know, synergy and corporate talk and all that type of stuff. And it ultimately, you know, it's meaningless, but it's, it's, it's actually a pretty good uh, lampoon of a bad mission statement. Um, minus this Weird Al reference that I just made, what I said about a mission statement can actually go, uh, can be applied to a vision statement. Um, knowing what, you know, you might be able to tell a lot about a company by, um, who they say that, or who it says it wants to be. Um, at the same time, you might get those uh, vision statements that are just full of jargon and meaningless and don't make any sense and are like reading stereo instructions and you can't tell anything. Um, I'm just going to throw this one out there for you guys to consider. Um, perhaps part of your uh, IMC campaign for your client company is to reconsider its mission and vision statements. I've actually seen that done before in IMC plans. Um, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. It's just something to think about. Excuse me. So marketing plans. Uh, what I want to drive home about that, um, and I will repeat this one twice as well, is that marketing plans are not simple. Marketing plans are not simple. They are complex and have many moving parts. Uh, as I talked about earlier, you'll be marketing in a world that is moving at a pace not seen before. Uh, one bad tweet and things can drastically change. Uh, one bad review and things can drastically change. And you may have to alter a marketing plan midway through development, or even worse, midway through actual implementation. Your marketing plan, as the book points out, should include... Uh, a provi uh, should provide a detailed explanation of what's needed to execute the program. Be organized. And uh, there's 
the book takes a look at the traditional marketing plan, um, which is what you guys will be using uh, throughout this curriculum. Um, and that uh, marketing plan would include things like your executive summary. Uh, just a side note here, and please pay attention to this one because it will mean something to you later on in this course and actually with your final campaigns book that you're developing. An executive summary really shouldn't be any longer than a page, um, particularly uh, because um, you're creating, when you're presenting this, you're presenting it to the person who might own the company or be the head of its marketing department. They don't need you to explain what the company is, uh, its history, or anything like that. They just want to know more about uh, a general broad view of what your campaign is going to be. So uh, to get back on track here, uh, your marketing plan should include an executive summary, a situation analysis, I, uh, like the one that you're going to create next week. Um, yeah, you know, and the situation analysis is looking at internal environment, customer environment, and the external environment. Uh, it should also include a SWOT analysis, your strategic marketing with its goals, objectives, and strategies, uh, your budget, your timeline, uh, your calculation of the return on investment, and your evaluation. And I'm going to give you another side note uh, tip here. Um, one of the things that I always recommend, um, and I hope that you uh, listen to me on this one, is with your evaluation, I would have several instances throughout your campaign, uh, particularly if it's a long one, where you have benchmarks or time set for evaluation. Chances are you're going to be launching campaigns that will operate in real time. It would be absolutely positively foolish for you to set the only evaluation that you have after it's all done. Like I said uh, earlier, one bad tweet or one bad review and things can go south quickly. And if your plan uh, is already in the implementation stage, you want to have times where you can actually um, react and maybe adjust things if something's working or not working, bolster what is working or change what isn't. Um, I just wouldn't leave one evaluation for it at the very end. Obviously, you will need um, an evaluation at the end, but just have a couple others where you can go in and kind of pump the brakes for a second and uh, see how things are going. Anyway, um, your marketing plan must be logical, comprehensive, consistent, and logical. Please note that I said logical twice there. I said it for a good reason. Um, a well-developed, thorough marketing plan fulfills five purposes, as the book points out. And I'm just going to go over them real quick here. Um, one, it explains the present and future situations of an organization. It specifies the outcomes. De describes specific actions and assigns responsibility to each. Identifies the resources needed and has a matrix for monitoring success and measuring return on investment. So with that, we're going to blast right into strategic marketing, the namesake of this course. Uh, when it comes to strategic marketing and developing a marketing plan, I like to look at it in a real simplistic way. And it it's this. It's like taking a hike with a stop at a tree in the middle of your walk. Stick with me on this. The hike represents the overall marketing plan. As you're walking to the tree, the path has a few stops on it. 
with things like research, both primary and secondary, and looking at things like a situation analysis or your SWOT analysis to selecting your target market and the work that goes into select, uh, to making that selection. At those stops, you come to understand the world that you're marketing in specific to your product and what you're up against, etc. Then you get to the tree, which represents your strategic marketing, and you take a good, long look at it. Starting at the base of the tree's trunk, you have your overall goal or goals, which are in a general sense what you want your outcome to be or the message you want to communicate. As you go up the tree, you encounter the tree's major limbs, which would represent objectives. The objectives are essentially measurable achievements that tie directly back to your goal or goals. Another side note, your objectives must be measurable you must have some type of measurement along with them. If it's saying, I want to increase sales by 10%. So as you follow up each limb of this tree, you get to the branches, which represent the strategies. And those are the how you're going to achieve the objectives in a slightly general sense. Then off those branches, there are smaller branches. Those are your tactics, the specifics of what you're going to do in carrying out your strategies. When you get done looking at this tree, and it was a pretty great tree, and you get back onto your path to your destination, you'll have a few more stops, like developing the creative of your plan, coming up with a budget or calculating the ROI, setting up a timetable for all this to be carried out, actually implementing your plan, evaluating it as it's being implemented, and then making your conclusion and your ultimate evaluation. I hope that this metaphor made sense. It an example that I've, I've used in the past uh, with um, developing your goals, objectives, strategy, and tactics is, is this. And this is a really, really simple uh, drive-by of it. Um, let's say that I have a pants company, Michelle Pants Company. My goal to be one of the top, excuse me, to be one of the top five pants companies in the United States. My objective Increase pants sales by 10% this year. My strategy, engage my target market, who I've determined through research is are businessmen in their late 20s through social media. My tactic, I'm going to develop an Instagram campaign using certain demographic traits of my target market. That's a real simple whittled down version of what I'm talking about with the tree. I hope that makes sense. The book in this updated version points to the balanced approach needed in strategic marketing, which goes back to the part of what I was saying earlier, the relationship with the customer. I think by virtue of you guys taking this course in the here and now, and more importantly being customers out there in this world, elements of being mindful of the customer relationship your company has are just going to naturally be part of what you're developing. But the new approach with balanced marketing also takes a hard look at internal processes, like a company's distribution network, or how it treats and uses its employees. Think Amazon with uh, you know, its two-day shipping to how it treats employees, and that uh, how it treats its employees has actually come under a lot of scrutiny in recent years. Uh, you know, Heck, South Park did a whole episode about it the last season that was spot on. Um, also, this new approach looks at what a company can learn and how it can, how it can grow. So I'll close my thoughts on Chapter 2 with this. I pointed out earlier the book talking about functional marketing not operating in a vacuum. I would just reiterate that in a holistic sense that uh, when it comes to your careers as marketers. 
What I mean by that is that chances are you'll develop many marketing plans throughout your careers. You cannot treat them as singular events. You can't look at it that when a marketing plan and campaign is over, it's over and I've moved on. It's incredibly important to have learned something from each plan when all is said and done. Yes, you'll have an evaluation, and there will be, uh, but there will be generalities and specifics that you'll get from looking back on it. Use those to your advantage in your next marketing plan and the ones that follow. Perhaps there's a trend that you see. Before I close out, I'd just like to mention that uh, in a few weeks from now, we will be having speakers in this class. Um, I'll be hosting two live chats, and I'm hoping that you guys can join me for them. Um, I'm a really, really, really big proponent of learning from people who are walking the walk, and uh, I think I've selected two really great speakers that you'll get something from. Um, if you can, during this week, just shoot me a quick email of general times that uh, work for you. For instance, what I'm saying is, you know, you email me, Mondays in the evenings work, but, you know, Tuesdays don't. Um, you know, Wednesdays do, Fridays are out, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, we will take it from there. All that said, I'll catch up with you guys in our next podcast for week two. Hope you guys have a great week, and if you need anything, you know how to get a hold of me. All right, take care.